Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people with a special episode of ABC News Daily to mark the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Throughout her 70 years on the throne, the Queen fostered a lasting and deep relationship with Australia. She visited here 16 times, first in 1954, not long after her coronation. Today, the ABC's royal correspondent, Juliet Reedon, on Her Majesty's special place in our nation's history and the legacy she leaves behind. Juliet, it's an incredibly sad time and I know there are so many tributes for the Queen right now, but I want to have a look with you at her relationship with us, with Australians and Australia. And it goes back a really long way, doesn't it? How important was that to her in your mind? Oh, look, I think Australia was incredibly important to the Queen and it was founded right, right, right at the beginning of her reign. So, you know, she was the first British reigning monarch to come to Australia and I don't think you can underestimate how important that was. She'd only been crowned for eight months when she sailed into Sydney Harbour on the 3rd of February, 1954. There'll be no work done today in Sydney. A million of us are on the move, swarming into the streets like bees in the sun, for a queen is coming. A queen we have never seen. Uh, It was such a significant trip, wasn't it? Just give me a sense of that. Yes, it was. Look, a Royal Commonwealth tour which included Australia had been in the planning for some time, but it was for her father, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth, her mother. But then when he fell sick in 1951, he asked his daughter, Princess Elizabeth, and her husband, Philip, to step into the breach and come instead. They, they said, yes, of course. They were famously on a stopover in Kenya en route to Australia when the king sadly and very tragically died. The king, who retired to rest last night in his usual health, passed peacefully away in his sleep earlier this morning. He was just 56 years old, and on that day, in that moment, her life changed forever. She was now the new queen. She flew straight back to the UK. She didn't come to Australia, and then... After her coronation in 1953, the tour was back on the agenda. And this glamorous young couple captivated the nation. Mm, It really was a huge event. I mean, a million Australians came out to see her, didn't they? It was just, it was truly quite remarkable. Yeah, it it was absolutely remarkable. I think lots of people will still remember that tour because they would have been children then. And Prime Minister Robert Menzies, he was adamant that the nation's young should see their monarch. Every man, woman and child who even sees you with a passing glimpse as you go by will remember it. 
So it was a very significant tour for Menzies. It was about putting Australia on the world map, but it was also about underpinning that the constitutional monarchy was the right system of government for Australia. It was a truly extraordinary tour. I did but see her passing by, and yet I love her till I die. Tonight, I am glad to have the opportunity to express my gratitude to my Ministers of State in the Commonwealth of Australia for their hospitality, and at the same time, to address my Australian people. Mm, and uh, as you mentioned, you know, that was her first tour here and she was so young then, but, you know, she kept coming back, didn't she? How did her tours change after that first one? The trips became a lot shorter, thanks largely, I think, to the evolution of transport that made it much easier to make quicker trips, were easier to manage. The style changed dramatically. She started to interact with the public much more. I think probably the most interesting trip for me was that trip in 1970, when Elizabeth and Philip brought their eldest children Charles and Anne. They were then 21 and 19. This tour was notable, though, because it premiered the first Australian walkabout. The royal family walked down Collins Street, a stroll that took half an hour amongst cheering crowds. This was thought utterly revolutionary at the time, and it's now a key part of all royal engagements. Now, what it was, was this was the first time the royal family had actually gone out into crowds to meet and greet members of the public, shaking hands, accepting flowers, connecting on a one-to-one level with those who had come out to see them. Why did you want to see her? Because, well, I've got books of her at home and I'd like to see her. Why did you want to see the Queen? Oh, because she's important and she's important to Australia because she governed... They trialled it first in New Zealand and then here in Australia. And, of course, it was a massive hit. And now we just think of it as, as a normal part of every tour. But it was, it was really revolutionary at the time. You're English. My word. You've seen the Queen before? Never. Never? This was going to be a milestone for me. I was supposed to climb a lamppost if I couldn't see her any other way. Mm, there's the sort of shaking of hands and having a bit of, of a chat if you line up for long enough and you're at the front of the queue. Yeah, I mean, that's an image that we really remember, don't we, from the Queen and also all the other royals have done it, Princess Diana as well. Juliet, that was all just really the beginning, wasn't it? But she came back so many times. Yes, yeah, so she made, uh, so Queen Elizabeth II made 16 trips to Australia. She opened the Opera House in 1973. For many people whose devoted efforts and inspiration over more than a decade have combined to bring this unique conception to fruition. That was one of those very quick trips. I have much pleasure in declaring the Sydney Opera House open. She visited four times in the 70s, five times in the 80s, you know. We, we basically couldn't get enough of the Queen. But not every trip was smooth sailing, was it? No, no. I mean, 1977 marked her Silver Jubilee with a tour of every state and territory. This was also a harder trip because 
It sort of came not long after that dimis- dismissal of the Whitlam government in 1975. We know now, after the release of the palace letters in 2020, that the Queen didn't know about Governor General John Kerr's decision to remove then Prime Minister Gough Whitlam. At the time, it seemed as if the monarchy was dabbling in Australian politics, and we definitely didn't like that. You know, calls for a republic were growing in Australia. And then in 1992, she was back again, and a little more controversy this time, at no fault of her own, by the way. Yes, yes. I mean, this was a funny one. She was here to commemorate the 150th anniversary of the founding of Sydney. But the then Prime Minister, Paul Keating, was a little bit too laid back. The Prime Minister is also under fire for his behaviour during the Queen's visit to Australia. He put his arm around the Queen, so he, he touched the royal person. And Paul Keating himself abandoned customary deference, his arm around the royal waist. And that that is a huge break in protocol. He garnered the nickname the Lizard of Oz in the tabloid papers. It was was a really big moment. (laughs) And she delayed a tour, didn't she, around the time of the Republican referendum here in 1999. Yes, of course, in November 1999, we voted in the referendum for an Australian republic. I know the Queen, and I respect and admire her, but that's not the issue. The issue is whether Australia is mature enough to replace the Queen with an Australian. Vote yes for an Australian head of state. The Queen visited four months after that, which, you know, would have been very difficult and I I think was pretty courageous on the palace's behalf. She gave a really landmark speech. She said, and this, this sentiment continued throughout her reign, she said, I've always made it clear that the future of the monarchy in Australia is an issue for you, the Australian people, and you alone to decide by democratic and constitutional means. It should not be otherwise. For some while, it has been clear that many Australians have wanted constitutional change, she said. I have followed the debate with close attention. My family and I would, of course, have retained our deep affection for Australia and Australians everywhere, whatever the outcome. But she also said, I shall continue faithfully to serve as Queen of Australia under the Constitution to the very best of my ability. So I think that idea of duty and service, that really was the hallmark of her reign. And she came and went 16 times from Australia, which is a really significant amount of visits. The last one was in 2011. Yes, this was her swan song tour with the Duke of Edinburgh. I think it revealed just how much our relationship with the monarchy had changed. There weren't so many people on the streets, definitely not the three quarters of the population that had turned out for that very first tour in 54. The then Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, bowed rather than curtsied. She was respectful, but she certainly wasn't fawning or deferential. The advice to me was very clear that uh, you can make a choice with what you feel most comfortable with. That's what I felt most comfortable with. 
The trip was ostensibly for Chogham to open the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in Perth. And we didn't know then that it was going to be her last trip, but many suspected it. And a few felt that they saw a tear in her eye as she boarded the plane to leave from Perth. Mm, And of course, we've been watching her and her life unfold from afar ever since. And her death is such a momentous time in the UK. There's deep grief for the British people. But here too, I I think there's a real feeling of sadness uh, now that she has died. Juliet, how will Australians remember her, do you think? I think the Queen managed to stand for values of decency, integrity, loyalty and compassion. I also suspect that the reluctance to rush to a republic in Australia was based on that immense respect that Australians had for the Queen. Even though she was far away on the other side of the world, she still seemed more trustworthy to many Australians than some of our politicians. And that made the idea of the constitutional monarchy possible. She will, I suspect, long remain in all of our hearts. Juliet Reedon is the ABC's royal correspondent and the editor-at-large at the Australian Women's Weekly. She's also the author of the book The Royals in Australia. The Queen's son, Charles, automatically became king upon his mother's death. The Queen's funeral will take place at Westminster Abbey on September the 19th. This episode was produced by Sydney Peed and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.